So you did it, I dedicated it in loving memory also for Nalia, for a couple people's neshama, which is beautiful. For Jody, it should be an aliyah for her neshama. And for Mrs. Hachman, it should be an aliyah for her neshama. And for Talia's late mother, her late Ima, which was Tamima Bat Chana Vishlomo. And so all of these people, this should be a night of lots of blessing and Hatzlacha and Aliyahs to Neshamas. And I just want to thank you, Talia, so much. Okay, so now we're going to get started with this class on, you know, mental health through the perspective of the Torah. So the more I'm studying this, the more I'm going to tell you that I don't think you could have mental health without the Torah, okay? Because mental health and any kind of our health and any kind of meaning and any kind of purpose and what we're trying to actualize in our lives by being a better person needs that connectivity to the Almighty Himself, all right? And the only way we're going to really be able to connect to the Almighty Himself and to really see a perspective on our lives is if we look at the manual that was created for living. There's like no other way. This is not guesswork. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I don't think we want to be on this planet like the last thousands of years going, who am I? What am I? What am I here for? And now you're in a phase in history where people are really questioning it and they're really kind of ripping apart any of these um, perspectives on ethics and morality because really what they're looking for is a free ride. Okay. Sometimes if I can say like, I really don't get it. And at the end, it just boils down to what I want then it's a very easy ride in life, right? Because now you've got an excuse to be able to do whatever you want. No shame, no guilt, no nothing, all right? But what's the downside? No nothing. You haven't really accomplished. You haven't really moved. And instead of becoming a bigger person, you actually just move the bar down and do what the heck you want and you become a smaller person. In the end of it all, that doesn't fill you. In the end of it all, you don't wake up in the morning and go, yay, I robbed, I stole, I slept with 5,000 different people. It doesn't make you feel really good about yourself in the end. So it's really important. You're wired with a conscious. You're wired with, hold on, I'm just going to mute that. You're wired, right, with this feeling that there's an inner ambition in man. Like there's something he wants to be. There's some kind of greatness he's looking for. And that greatness that you're looking for is to be godlike. And when you feel that greatness and you feel that godlike feeling, you feel more connected to Hashem and you feel like, I did it. I'm at the top of the mountain. I'm at the top of my game. So let's, um, a lot of what I'm teaching you, I do want to give credit where credit is due, is from Dr. David Lieberman. A lot of what I'm teaching you, he's a, um, a writer, a therapist, like he's a very renowned individual. And his therapy programs are based on Torah understanding. So that's why I really like to tune in. So it's interesting for us, we usually look at ourselves as two parts. What are the two parts that we always say we're composed of? Nishama. Okay, Nishama. And body. Excellent. Okay, so body and soul. So he kind of works with a third part, which is the ego. Okay, so he works with this third part called the ego. And the ego is where he kind of feels your ability to have free will choice lies there. Because what's the body want from you? It's a very interesting idea. The body is looking for one thing and one thing only. What is it? Does anybody know? Just pleasure. Yeah, pleasure, comfort. Like it's just body hates pain. Body hates like to have to exert itself. Body's always looking to roll over and fall asleep, okay? Body would rather live, you know, um, through reality television. Like why live life if I can just watch it, right? Because then I don't have to really feel the pain. I could just watch everybody else's mistakes. I can follow the Kardashians, you know what I mean? And then I don't have to think about anything. Okay. So that's what body wants. What does your soul want? What's good? What's, yes, what's good? What do you mean by what's good? To wants to connect to Hashem, right? It it's like it doesn't just want vanilla ice cream. Okay, so it wants not that vanilla is good. No, it is good. Okay, not that it wants. You know what I mean? It wants something a deeper. It wants something deeper. It wants something transcendental. It wants to go beyond itself. It wants to like do chesed. It wants kindness. It wants goodness in the world. That's what the soul wants. Now, ego is a funny place. Ego is a place where you can make some decisions unless you let 
ego, which is the I, the you, become too full of itself. If ego can keep a healthy perspective, that's considered good mental health. If ego can keep a healthy perspective on life without filling itself with its own wants and desires, right? Or what's ego's biggest trip? Okay, so body's biggest trip is comfort. You know what ego's biggest trip is? What are people thinking about me? How does it look? Okay, so if you can like keep a healthy perspective, how does it look? I love myself. God loves me. Looks pretty good to me. I don't care how it looks. I only care that I want to do the right thing. Soul's giving me some good information. I'm not going to fill it with my own, how does it look, you know, weirdness. I'm happy to do the right thing no matter if it doesn't look so normal, right? Okay, so I'm going to give a shout out to Barb right now. Barb, I'm giving you a shout out. Okay, so Barb has this. No, I because I feel like it's important. Barb has like a place where she does people's wigs, right? And she's now in a hairdressing salon that has like a whole bunch of people but everybody has their nice little chair and it's open to the public and blah 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 but Barb knows she has a sensitive group of people who come to her right so she doesn't care if her little chair doesn't look like everybody else's chair she's gonna cover her chair with a curtain so how does I got it today oh. and I called oh the machitza for the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm just saying. They, they did a beautiful job. Good. Bar Hashem. <laughs> yeah. So Bar Hashem. But in other words, you understand, like you might not be looking like all the other hairdressers. Other people's hairdressing little spot doesn't have a curtain. Okay. And they're going to be, I'm going to be honest, that's more inviting to the general public. But you're saying, I don't care what it looks like. The job that I do is sensitive to women who cannot expose their hair to men in the salon. Do you know what I mean? Or anyone in the salon. So I'm going to do what's right, not what looks good. Okay? So that's a point of free will choice. But you have to have a bigger perspective on it. If today your perspective is not seeing the bigger picture of what this world needs, but your perspective is only narcissistic, then I like the way he explained it, um, Dr. Lieberman. He said, it's not like you're looking out a window to see the big picture. You keep looking in the mirror to see the big picture. Okay? What's the problem when you're looking in the mirror to see the big picture? What do you end up seeing? yourself yes just yourself and your narcissistic needs i gotta tell you a true story i have a friend who told me like when she got divorced it was a big surprise like the husband one day came home she had no idea one day came home and he just gave her divorce papers and said it's over and the child they had a child the child wanted to go with the father so it was, took her a long time to think about what just happened. And she realized that she was the biggest narcissist around. That her perspective on her family was only about herself. She only did things that really were good for her. She would try to pretend it was good for them. Do you know what I mean? Like she'd say like, oh, we're gonna have this kind of party. And the kid would say, I don't want that party, mom. I'm very embarrassed. I don't wanna do these things. I don't want that party. And she would say, no, no, you want that party. It's exactly the party that you want. And then she'd make it like super over the top and super lavish and super this. And the kid hated every minute. But what was she saying? No, this is the bar birthday party you want. Why did she want that birthday party? for him, so to speak, when he himself kept telling her, please don't do this. What was she really looking at? Yeah, what was she? Yes, for what? What about? Yeah, yeah, for her ego. She said she would do everything so over the top so that everybody would talk about her parties and her this and her that. And later, as she started to develop, after she got like that divorce paper, and she realized they were serious, like they were leaving her, right? She suddenly realized she was such a narcissist that she said, honestly, she would have divorced herself, <laughs> okay? Do you know what I mean? Like if she was in their situation, 
she realized I divorced me also. Because who wants to live with this narrow narcissistic perspective? So what's going on here? We're saying that good mental health is being able to have a healthy perspective on life. Now that's not easy, okay? That's not so easy to have a healthy perspective on life. So you can see like two groups of people, right? You can see people that have everything that they could ever wish. Now Shem gave them, you know, like they have a golden spoon in their mouth. Okay, they have money, they have looks, they have talent, they have this, they have that, and they're miserable, okay? And then you have people who really had a life that was hard knocks and they're always smiley and happy and this and that. What's the difference between the two people? I guess they did it themselves oh. and they tried to always keep walking forward. Yes, they keep their perspective open, right? To see what? What's good in the world. What, what they have that's good. The person who has everything and is always miserable, it means they're only focusing on what? On the one thing they don't have. They may have like a big house and a big this and a this, but the next door neighbor's house is that much bigger, okay? And so now they're miserable. Okay, so when it comes to free will choice, what you want to do is keep a healthy, responsible perspective. Now, how are you going to keep a healthy, responsible perspective? Where are you going to get the tools to do that? How do you end up being able to look at a big picture rather than just keep looking in the mirror. So what's going to help you get that perspective? Gratitude. Okay, so gratitude. Like, let's talk loud. Okay, gratitude. Where are you going to learn to be a grateful person? What? Torah laws. Yes, okay. So Torah, right? Torah is going to teach you that gratitude is very important. Torah is going to teach you you have to make a bracha. Torah is going to teach you that you have to uh, honor your parents. You have to feel gratitude, okay? So what's the big, big picture, though, that helps us digest when bad things are happening to us? Like, let's say, you know, service come to the world, right? Uh, my, I went to see my machatenista, like, uh, ra, uh, la, ra, like Labe Irons, his parents, you should know, they're very, very holy people. Um, Labe's mother's father, right, was one of the primary students of the Chafetz Chaim. Like you're talking, these are really like the real deal and they're so kind and so good. But unfortunately, their health isn't so great right now. They're not in such, you know, a healthy place. So I went to visit her and she was so cute. She says to me, my 15-year-old granddaughter, she wrote a poem once and this is what she said. Life without troubles is like club soda without bubbles. <laughs> okay. So what's perspective on life without troubles is like club soda without bubbles what does that mean what is what was, life it's not a life yeah know? it's you not know? a life there's no action there's no free will choice there's no nothing right like my husband once said black right in art is one of the most important colors you could have right black is contrast black is like black is beautiful you know what i mean in real reality so it's just an interesting idea so the torah can give you life can give you um pain it can give you pain it can give you growing pains right so if you have a torah's understanding right you can work with your mental health in a much better way true or false True. True. So give me an uh, understanding. Like, let's say you have, you know, some things that are happening to you that are very negative. So what's, what's, where's the Torah's perspective on the negativity that's happening to you? What's the Torah's perspective? It's immune to know that okay. it will Okay. Okay. So you need a lot of Amuna. You need a lot of faith, right? And a lot of Amuna. What's the next step after Amuna? Yes. Okay. You need a lot of amuna and you need a lot of trust. So what are we having amuna and trust about when we're looking at things that are happening to us that aren't the greatest? What are we trusting and believing? It's, it's going to be good for you. It's okay. something you have to help. It'll help you grow and yeah. it'll be hard. Okay. Okay. So like doing something that's hard is okay. Doing something that's wrong isn't okay. But doing something that's hard 
it's more than okay. Sometimes it's actually very good, right? I'm sure it was hard for every single person here to accomplish most of the things in your life, you know, to graduate school, to work at your job, like to have a good marriage, to take care of your kids, to be a good friend. I think it's pretty hard, okay? It takes a lot of self-sacrifice, takes a lot of awareness, takes a lot of a good, healthy perspective. So things being hard, Torah's trying to tell you, is a good thing. What do we say when it comes to the, the... muzzle that you have in life okay this is this is not so simple because let's just let's just talk a little bit about that what first of all what does muzzle mean what is like you know when they go muzzle talk muzzle yeah it's from god yes good 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 girl good luck yes so it's not luck it's not luck muzzle people think it means good luck i give you a rabbit's foot and things change not not at all okay muzzle means like each and every one of us right First, we have to know this. Each and every one of us were very, very close. When we were up in Shemayim as souls without any bodies, we had an extremely close connection to God. Now God's going to say, okay, souls, there's some jobs I want to divvy out over here, okay? But these jobs come with some muzzle. They come with a certain um, obstacle course, okay? Now, some of these obstacle courses are really tough, right? God forbid, right? Special needs children, lack of health, lack of parnasa, you know, having a hard time even having children. Like a lot of people's muzzle, it doesn't look so sweet, right? doesn't look so great. So you're like, oh my gosh, which soul got the bad muzzle? Do you know that a lot of the souls who got the bad muzzle, they volunteered. They said, you know what? I want it. I'm going to take it because you know what? The harder something is sometimes, the greater the reward. Yes. So when you volunteered for your job, it's hard to believe. Like me volunteered for this? Then Hashem said, you know, I'm going to send you down. Very proud of you. You're my soldier. It's the difference, you know, sometimes today, like I think today was Memorial Day in the United States. So they were interviewing a lot of different people, like people who served in the army. And they were saying like, very scary because I don't know how many people are willing to do it anymore. You know, once upon a time, like people volunteered to serve in the army. They were saying like uh, DeSantis, who's running for president, he served in the Navy. You know when? After 9-11. After 9-11 happened, he felt, I never want to see my country be compromised like that again. I want to serve. Like today, they can't get people to to do this anymore. There's a real shortage of people willing to serve in the army. Why? They don't patronize their country. There's yeah. not that godly. Right. There is no feeling. There is no, right. There is no in God we trust or the country or we have any patriotism. Like, you're not willing to suffer for nothing. So these souls who are volunteering for this stuff, they're willing to take the tikkun olam that it costs. They're willing to, you know, I'm willing to do it. I'm, like, they're the Navy SEALs. They're the Navy SEALs. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it for my country. I'll take it for the world. I'll take it for the Jewish people. I'll take it for my soul. I'll take it for my um, reincarnation. I'll take it. Do you know what I mean? We have to appreciate who these people are. And then what happens? Then what do we say? God says, okay, you got the job. You're drafted as a Navy SEAL. Now, if you're drafted as a Navy SEAL, what does God give you? Strength. Yeah, smart girl and all the equipment that you're going to need, okay? (laughs) Is this not an army where God says, okay, good luck to you, bye? No, I'm giving you a whole backpack full of all the strength that you need. And now you can go and come down. So now, can we change our muzzle? And if so, how? Okay, so can muzzle be changed? Can your life be changed? Okay, Sandy, yeah, you think so? Sandy, you're shaking your head. Yeah? Yeah, you can change your muzzle. Okay, so let's talk about ways that we can change our muzzle. Okay, so number one, why do they say, this is a good question, you know, like they're saying today, any girl who's having a hard time, or a boy, who's, well, mostly girls, because boys usually did get a brisk, but let's say a girl, okay? They were born, right? And guess what? Okay, it was a nice idea, but nobody made a kiddish for them. All right. And these girls are like, they're older. They're having a hard time getting married. So Rav Chaim Kanievsky, a blessed memory, said that these girls and their parents should make themselves a kiddish. Okay? Okay. 
Why should they make themselves a kiddish? So that everybody should go over to them and say, Mazel Yes, I know that this sounds really funny, okay? What's Mazel Tov mean? Means in your life, you should have good siyata dishmaya. You should have God's divine intervention in your life. You should have God on your side. You should have God's good divine intervention. Very interesting. Very interesting. So sometimes the Torah says you could change your muzzle with people saying, you know what? You should have good divine intervention in your life. Sweet. That's what we're trying to do now for Talia, right? Talia, it's your birthday. And that's what she's asking. Change my muzzle. Help me change my muzzle. Right, we're all wishing her mazel tov for doing this class and a merit for this. Like, please, Hashem, like we're trying to help you change your mazel. Okay, so how does it work? How does it work? So the Torah tells you in this week's parsha, you're going to learn about the Kohanim giving blessings to the Jewish people. Okay, so it's an ace ratzon. What's an ace ratzon mean? Anybody know what an ace ratzon means? It's a time of divine want. It's a time like like when Hashem really wants to give you good stuff. You know, like sometimes like when you're a parent, your kid does something super cute. <laughs> right? So now it's the time you want to give him a biggest hug because he was just so super cute. So there we have this concept in Judaism that there's times like where the Jewish people, like we just find favor, like we're just super cute. Okay, so... When is one of the times that we're super cute is when you see the Kohanim, right? Duchening. The Kohanim are giving a blessing to the Jewish people. So here's two sides to the coin. The Torah tells you if you want to see that blessing really happen. Okay, first of all, you have to know the Kohen. It says when you look at the bracha, it says he gives you the bracha ba'ahava. You have to give someone a blessing from your heart with real love. Right? Why are the Kohanim the ones who get to do it? Because they have an ayin tov. What's an ayin tov? A good eye. A good eye. Who had a good eye? Moshe's brother, Aaron. Moshe was the younger brother. Aaron was the older brother. Aaron was the one taking care of the Jewish people. Do you know that? Through the slavery. And Moshe had run away from Egypt and he didn't come back till he was 80 years old. And he begged God, he said to God, please don't make me do this. Like, I don't want to be the leader. I don't want to embarrass my brother. I want my brother to be the leader. And you know what Hashem said to him? Oh, you have it all wrong. Your brother has such a good eye. He'll just be so overwhelmingly happy for you. You have nothing to worry about. So when you give a blessing to someone, Right, and you really want to change their muzzle, so to speak. You really want to give it with a whole heart. That's not always so easy. That's not always so easy. You have you have something that they want. You want it too. It's not so easy to say to someone like, "Oh, I really want you to have tons of money." Uh, but then you'll be richer than me. <laughs> I really want you to. <laughs> like, we have to be honest, okay? We're people. We're human. So the Torah says, if a Kohen stands up and he doesn't feel love for somebody in the room and he's about to make the bracha, he has to excuse himself. Could you imagine? That's how serious this is. He has to excuse himself. And then what should we be doing? Because really you have to appreciate, you know, when we say this, it's very funny. Do anybody realize? You say, when God says, you say this sentence about God in Ashrei and in Benching. You say, Sandy, what does that mean? Do you know what it means? Sandy? It, it, you're supposed to open up your hands and you get all of Right. You're supposed to open your hands. means God is opening his hands. So we're saying, God, you're opening your hands and sending down all the blessing. So we open our hands to do what? Receive it. Receive it. So when the Kohan, Kohanim are blessing you or we're blessing our friends and we're saying Mazel Tov and Mazel Tov and Mazel Tov, the person's saying it with all their heart, you are supposed to be saying, you know what, God, you gave us as people the ability to bless each other. 
I really believe that this person cares for me. In awe, in awe, Hashem, I accept in awe that this could help me. In awe, not like, okay, nice, you never know, maybe it'll work. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, if you have, then you know what I'm saying, then that's all you're going to get, okay? It's just an interesting idea, like to really stand there and say, this is an awesome moment. This could help me change my muzzle. Right. Okay, and why am I set up with this muzzle? Because the Torah tells you this is the muzzle that will help you grow. So another way to change your muzzle, there's actually five ways. Another five ways to change your muzzle. Okay, I feel bad. Talia, go ahead. <laughs> Poor girl. Okay, is it, is one of them perhaps uh, carbon, uh, carbon note? Okay, interesting. Okay, Perfect. Ah, such a smarty. Okay, so yes, prayer. So another way to really change your own muzzle is daven Tashem. So what are you going to daven Tashem? You can say, you know what, Hashem, I know my muzzle was, you know, I needed uh, to, I'm just throwing anything out here. I needed to not have so much money. That for some reason you said is my muzzle and I can grow through that. But please, Hashem, help me grow so that that doesn't have to be my muzzle anymore, okay? Help me grow so that I can have a new muzzle that I can afford to give charity, that I can afford to do better. I can help other people. Do you see what I'm saying? So yes, prayer. What else? Does anybody else know anything else? Prayer, charity, okay? When you like, charity plays a huge role because when you give charity, what are you saying, what are you saying? Like, really, what's the... Because that's not easy for people to really give of their money. Like, I want you to know, thank God Hashem makes us have a mitzvah to give 10%. But the majority of the world doesn't give its money. Okay? Like, really, Jews are very generous. We have a mitzvah. And my my son told me the Arabs do too. The Arabs give a lot of mice or money too. They also have a mitzvah. And it probably comes from the Torah, Right? But if you do not have a commandment to do it, it's not that easy to find people giving money. I'm being real. So what is it when you give money? What's the statement that you make? That you don't need as much and you want to help others. Okay, so you don't need as much. You want to help others more than that. What else? But we give charity and God will give us charity. Yeah, okay, we realize that God will also give it to us. And where are we saying? Where's the money really coming from? It's not ours. Yeah, it's not 10% ours. 10% is not right. ours. Right. It's really like we're God's bankers. But that's part of the mitzvah, Miser. Yes. And we're God's bankers. And on top of it, who really gave you the money? Hashem. Right. It's really Hashem. You, you can do from here till tomorrow, right? Like, let's all be real, right? Like, someone said this really cute. Like, they said, there are people out there who can't even tie their own shoelaces who become multimillionaires, okay? Then there's people who finish their MBA, work their kishkas out, never really get anywhere, okay? So what's going on here? Everyone can do their hishtadlis, but it's Hashem who's really sending the money. In the, in the morning prayer that Hashem will release the bell. Yes, like, and you have to appreciate that that's where it's really coming from so you could change your muzzle we said let's do it again we're we're uh, giving charity we're praying what else okay we can change our muzzle you know there's an expression mishana makom mishana muzzle what does that mean does anybody know that change your place where you live so i want you to know it's not so much just changing your place it's changing your mindset because let me explain something to you a name for god is yeah, it's not interesting. What does that mean? Why would you call God place? That's <laughs> a funny name, really. Why would Everywhere. you call Yes, place. yes. Like from the Uncle Moishi song, up, up, down, down, right, left, all around. Okay, that's where God is. He's everywhere. Okay? So what's the problem? He's standing in his place. It's you who's running around. And then Mishana Makam means you finally change your place and you turn towards him. That's what Mishana is to change or to turn, right? So that's what it means. So Mishanam, if you want your different muzzle, turn to God. Turn to, like, realize that it's not your place anymore. You can't make a difference in the story. You've done what you can do. Turn to him and say, you know what, Hashem? I give it up. And another way to change your muzzle is to do tshuva. Is to really check, you know, like, why are these things happening? Maybe I bring them on to myself. Like, I got to really think about this. Do you know what I mean? Am I cutting my own nose to spite my face? People are doing that a lot. 
So like, you know, am I open to this? Am I open to hearing the Almighty? Am I open to any of these ideas? Like I might have to change. And late Mother Alavashon's favorite saying, don't come with your nose. <laughs> your face. So right, so you, exactly. So you might have to like, so let's do it again. So we're going to say, we're saying, right, doing tshuva. We're saying um, prayer. We're saying tshuva, prayer. We said charity. We said changing our place. And there's one more. So let me look so I do not forget it. Okay. So I'm glad I went over it because this way we can make sure we get. To judge everybody favorably. You would think so. You would think so. That probably helps. Oh, yeah. Interesting. One more. When people are very sick, right? So when you say judging people favorably, probably go along the lines of doing tshuva. But when people are very sick, what do we do sometimes? We change their name. Yes. That's amazing that you remembered that. So you change the person's name. What are you changing when you change their name? You're changing their, their essence and their mission. Their essence and their mission. Is there any connection to charity and all these things with uh, with the will? With your will? Yes. I mean, yes. Like if you're writing a will, right? You're writing a will. There's something very beautiful about leaving a legacy, right? Like when you give money to charity, that money lives on forever. Okay, when it just goes to buy like a piece of furniture or a new ring, okay, unless you have the right intention, okay, like if you're buying, I'm buying this ring in honor of Shabbos, beautiful, beautiful, that ring is a mitzvah now, I'm buying so this new furniture, connected. right, right, so you want, it is definitely connected, and it's all the way you're thinking, okay, all the intention you put into everything, okay, so these are very interesting ideas, and that's why we don't just change people's names on a dime, a name is a very important reality, your name, they say, usually was given with what we call um, Ruch HaKodesh, right, if you're tuned in, if your parents were kind of tuned in, right, sometimes Hashem can make it a nace from your grandparents will kind of like you know, be there. In other words, there'll be someone influencing these thoughts. Sometimes not, but names are very important realities and we don't just flippantly change them. Okay. So it's not like I'm having a bad day. My muzzle's bad. I'll call the rabbi and see if you can give me a new name. Okay. It doesn't go like, that. okay. It has to be, okay. Really a sincere reality, but it's just interesting for us to know. So muzzle plays into our life in that the muzzle is usually the setup right? So I'm going to say it's not good and it's not bad. It's just the setup. It could be, you know, it could be more challenging and less challenging, but the muzzle is set up so that you will grow. So sometimes like if your muzzle is hard, right? You will grow just trying to change your muzzle. You'll grow working with your muzzle. You'll grow by trying to change your muzzle through the prayer, through the tshuva, through the, you know what I mean? You know, changing your perspective through, you know, um, giving blessings to other people. You want your muzzle to change, right? So a good thing is also to pray for other people who are in the same situation as you, but to pray with your full heart. And what's the caption of praying with your full heart is if they get what you need, First, you'd be very happy, right? So that happened in the shul. There were two girls. It was an amazing story. There were two girls in the shul who were really having infertility problems, both of them. And they were talking to me. So I said, I have an idea. I'm going to tell you each. You pray for this your friend and your friend should pray for you. But I said, pray so you mean it. Not just pray like, oh, yeah, yeah. We'll be. Pray that even if she gets pregnant first, you would be so happy for her. They both gave birth maybe two or three days apart from each other, which really showed me how much they were praying so sincerely for the other person. Okay, so here's these ideas of changing the muzzle. And it's very interesting. Do you know that there's something called the lottery curse? This is a statistic. It's really interesting how you have to know why you want what you want and how you have to know in life. We're talking about mental health. We're talking about mental health is keeping your ego in check so that you're doing things so that it can absorb what the neshama is saying, what the body saying, and then make a 
truthful decision, a good decision between right and wrong and true and false and good and bad, right? And close to Hashem or not, right? And you got to keep that ego. You need that ego to stay level-headed. You don't want that ego to get full of itself, full of fear, full of this, full of that, so that it doesn't see reality correctly. And the way to keep your ego in check is the more you're going to feed Torah to it, the more the ego will be able to stay balanced. Because if you look at the five things that we're talking about, they all have something in common, and that is humility. You're not going to pray to God unless you have humility. Why? What does that mean? How is praying to God and humility connected? Because you don't think Hashem is the creator. Yeah, yeah. If you, you know, you think you're in control, like, why do I have to pray to God? I'll just, you know, refinance. Okay, you know, I'll just, you know, we have to pray to God for. What does God have to do with anything? Like, you know, what does love have to do with it? What does God have to do with it? Okay, right? Okay. And what's the other one? What's the other one? Charity. If you don't have humility, you won't give anybody a dime. I know someone who was telling me that they are so wealthy. They own like most of the properties in Barrie. Their father was a developer in Barrie. She, Bishita, like it's part of her understanding of life. I don't give you anything. You work for what you, that's funny because she just inherited it all. But you work, you know what I mean? You work and that's way you get your money. I don't give any charity. Okay, why? Because it's mine, Right? So you have to have some humility to realize, no, it's not yours. Hashem, you know, look at the Reichmans. People were gazillionaires and they knew, you know what I mean? That they're really the bankers of Hashem, okay? That took a lot of humility because the world worships wealth. Let's be real, okay? It really does. Okay, so then what else takes humility? So he said prayer, tshuva. Tshuva takes a lot of humility. What's tshuva mean? To try and change yourself. Yes. To admit. 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 Oh my gosh. Chuva, the first thing. I am what I am. Yeah, I am what I am. Or even more than that, it's not my fault. You're always looking to blame it on everyone. Chuva is probably one of the hardest things. To take responsibility, like we have to really appreciate this. To take responsibility for doing something wrong, I think there's nothing less than, than, and nobody wants to do that. When, right, when, at, when the first man ate from the tree, right, of knowledge of good and bad, and he shouldn't have done it. So God, like, carefully wants to give him a little opening, okay? So he doesn't come running after him going, look what you did, you're so naughty. He doesn't do that. He goes like this, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Where, where do you find yourself? So it's like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, we're here, we're hiding. Why are you hiding? Because she made me eat from the tree, <laughs> right? And then when they confront the woman, what did she say? The snake made me eat from the tree. So we have to realize, like, it. I think that's one of the, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know about you guys. Like, like to be able to admit that you're wrong, right? You, you know, people can, it's, it's, it's very funny. People will say, okay, you know, so it's, no, it wasn't exactly right. But it's very, very hard to say, you know, or to go, they'll do this even. You're right. But it's very, very hard for people to go, you're right, and I was wrong. Very hard. <laughs> right? Those are like really tough realities. So when a person is doing chuva, they're really saying to Hashem, like, I made a boo-boo. Like, I just made a boo-boo. That's it. And Hashem goes, good. Because the first step is you said you made a boo-boo. Now you can correct it. All right? So... It's not like Hashem's looking to get you. It's the opposite. Like, it's very much the opposite. He's really empowering you to be able to change, okay? That's humility. To change my name is humility. I was always known as this person. To change my place. Like, to say, you know what, I'm really willing to take a different look at this, and I'm changing my perspective. I'm changing my view. I'm moving into a different place, into a different head space. You know what I mean? Right? Or even to, right? So, so you could see that humility is, you know, probably, and who was the humblest person? Who was the humblest person? Who? Moshe. Yeah, Moshe. What did Moshe, Moshe. merit? <laughs> okay. Like, halavai, any of us could be a quarter of a Moshe, right? He's the one who brings the Torah. He's the greatest Navi. He's this, he's that. But he's, he's all that. And yes, he's considered the most humblest of men. So what's going on here? He understood who he was. He understood his strengths. He understood his weaknesses. And he understood they all came from God. That's all. 
So if you tell me something, God, guess what? You're smarter than me. You know, I can maybe ask you why. Maybe you can give me a little bit of an explanation. Not because I say I'm smarter than you, just because I need to be able to stomach it. You know what I mean? So is there anything you can give me to enlighten me, help me stomach it? Remember when Moshe says to Hashem, like, why did you do, why do you do uh, bad things to good people? And bad people seem to have it great. So Hashem said, you know what? Your view is too small. I can't really explain it all to you. Sometimes you might be able to see it in retrospect. You know, sometimes you can see it, you know, when you look back you know you'll see my back afterwards sometimes but not always not even always just trust me because i do a lot of other really really amazing things just like you know kids have to trust their parents right can't understand every little thing that they're doing but they have to trust them okay so these are uh very important ideas let me see what else okay let me see so we said that we did choose this. Okay, now, once, this is what's very good about it, because once you have a different perspective on all these things, right, once you have a different perspective on all this stuff, you're able to do something very important, and that's love yourself, okay? So Taurus says, if we can't love ourselves, it will be very, very hard for us to have mental health, Right? Because our perspective been true because that's exactly what I had experienced. Yeah. When someone doesn't love themselves, it's a very, very dangerous road. Very it's dangerous. It's so simple, but it's extremely it's like it's it's really, it's it's, it, it's all. It's it's it, it is right. Because right. Because if I love myself, like I'm gonna be honest, if I love myself, and this isn't easy, like you know, I'm not playing games here and making brush strokes. So oh, just go out and love yourself. Okay, it's not that easy to go out and love yourself, especially if let's say when you grew up, not everybody's parents were the smartest parents, not everybody's parents, like I was actually laughing, you were talking about muzzle and this kind of stuff. Like, so somebody was telling me, like, they're so overly giving to their kids like their kids are older kids we're not talking young kids are in there they're young adults okay they're like 28 years old and they'll still go with them to the passport office you know what i mean like just to be there for support like that's really beautiful so i laugh like i was laughing because you know like what so they go yeah because i was brought up with this incredible feeling of security like my parents were this blanket of love for a lot of people that's not the case it's not the case. Like, you know, they could have knocked you. They were they were insecure themselves. They didn't love themselves. They had a hard life. They, you know what I mean? They came home and they let you have it. You know what I'm saying? And when that happens, it's very hard as a child to feel worthy. Okay? Like a kid really needs their parents' love very much unconditional. If it's very conditional, then it makes the kids sort of feel like, I guess I'm a failure, like I never really lived up, I don't deserve very much because I never made it into your good books. You know what I mean? So it's hard. So, you know, the Torah tell you that was part of your muzzle, right? And yes, it's going to hurt you. And yes, it's painful, but don't wallow in it. Okay, this is, I love this idea because this is what this, what Dr. Lieberman said, and I really liked it. When you wallow in your pain, then you equals suffering. Isn't that yes. interesting? When you wallow in your own pain, it equals suffering. Okay? So what does the Torah want from you? It wants you to open your perspective. Okay? Hashem gave me that. That was destined for me. That was my muzzle. That muzzle is for my tikkun, for me to be the best person I can be. And God I, this throws me the most, how much God feels that we can do it. Because God didn't have to give us free will choice. He really didn't, right? He only gave you free will choice because he believes you can really do it. He believes you really can pull yourself up from your bootstraps and, and march forward. Otherwise, he would never give you these things. Do you know what I mean? He gave us the ability. Like, it's such an incredible sense of independence that God gave man. Because man can turn around and never spit in God's face. He can. He can. And you don't see lightning come and strike the guy down right away. You don't. Right? I mean, he won't receive his world to come. But that's a hard... You know, like, you know, we all believe in it. And maybe now the world is believing in a little more. Maybe. With near-death experiences. But I can't guarantee it. But I'm just saying... 
Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, God created us in a way that, yeah, you have free will choice. And you still can do the wrong thing, you know? Like, right? But those of us who do the right thing, you created a godly being. Now you're just like God. You have the ability to create. That's huge. Okay? So he's telling you, yeah, you're right. I gave you stinky muzzle. I gave you this. You wanted that stinky muzzle. That's what the Talmud says. You volunteered for the job because you want to be a Navy SEAL. But I gave you the whole package. None of this is for nothing. That's a whole different perspective on mental health. Do you know what I mean? And even, let's say you, you have it and it's really hard and you still can't like seem to cope. So what would Hashem say? Call out for help. Go get resources. Go to the psychologist. Go to the rabbi. Go to your friends. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's humility too. That takes humility. You know what I mean? To say, I need help. I need medication. That's okay. Very proud of you, right? Better than denying and blaming and running and doing everything else. So these are like, this is what we're trying to say. Like with the Torah, you have a much bigger perspective on why things are happening. It's not that you're a loser. It's not that you're undeserving. Do you see what I'm trying to say? So you can feel comfortable in your own skin. You could love yourself. Instead of looking like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad. People are like, it's hard. It's I'm not minimizing. But look at, I'm the big nebuch. I'm the big this. I'm the loser. No, you're not the loser. You're not the loser. In fact, from a Torah's perspective. So that, it's like when you said, when you're praying, talk, it's, you, you talk to someone so you can hear what it is ah. and make sense of it. Beautiful. So inside, it doesn't, it, it doesn't go anywhere. It just festers. So that's exactly right. So that's what the Torah is trying to tell you. We're here to have this conversation. We're here to grow together. We're here to talk about Amuna and Bitachon and all the things that happened to us and all the HP stories. And like, you know what I mean? This is what... Um, what's the word, gives us strength, right? It gives us life, you know? So this is the difference. How can I make responsible decisions when I have information? If I don't have information, I can't make responsible decisions. This I thought was amazing. I'm going to take your question in a minute, Talia, but I love this line in the Talmud. The Talmud says, if you're sitting in the dark, right, you can't make a decision. If you can't see, right, the right to the left or the front to the back and it's just such pitch dark you're not making a decision because there is no clarity so when a person is like ah, so then they sometimes need people's help right to help them and sometimes like decisions that you made right what what's the scary part we always say with the mishnah right you make one bad decision it can lead to a another bad decision you make one good decision it could lead to another good decision so sometimes you can really fall like you can really fall you can get yourself into big mischief you know we all know people who got themselves into big mischief right but the Torah is telling you there's still a way out it's not over yet it's not over yet you're in big mischief you're right you made some really bad decisions you're right but there still is what we call the Nikud HaBechira, a little opening where you can make a better moral decision. And with that little opening, God says, you try, and I promise you I'll open it wider and wider. And I've seen it. I've, you know, we all know people, I've had friends who have made some really bad decisions and they're like they were trapped by their decisions, trapped. And today they're amazing. Jeremy, you would never even know. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's just this one like step forward, step forward, step forward. And if you take a look of it, like it's all of us here, every one of us here. Like go back and, you know, who you were, you know, 30, 40 years ago. And you're like, are you kidding me? This is me now? Oh, you know, like someone's, I love to gossip. I had to be this. I had to be that. I was always angry, blah, blah, blah. And now you look at yourself going, I don't even recognize me. <laughs> right? It's like, it's a whole different reality. Okay, so Talia, what was it that you wanted to say? Yes, you say to love yourself. Like, you look at to find that. Like, what okay, do you mean? so to love yourself is to be able to accept yourself you know, with all of who you are and to realize, why do I love myself? I don't love myself because I'm like better than anyone else. I don't love myself because I'm the best at this. I love myself because God said to me, I'm a precious child of his. And he said to me, 
If I, I need you, I put you on this planet. You're here today because you are the only person who can do your job. There isn't anyone else as precious as you. There's no other Talia. Do you know what I mean? There's no other Talia as precious as you. There's no other Sandy. There's no other Barb. There isn't another one of us among 7 billion people. So I love myself because you know what, Hashem? I'm a work in progress. I love that I'm trying. That's all. Some of these people will like yell at you and they'll make you feel bad and they'll say, you're just an idiot and you're this, this and blah, blah, blah and you think you're so great. It's okay. Hashem sent those people to me. They sent, they're in my life. You know what? I'm going to listen, learn. Maybe there's something that they're saying that I'm not going to feel bad and get down and whatever. And if I did a mistake, I'll admit to it. And then I'll say I'm sorry to the person. Right? But it's not that I'm not a deserving person or I'm a loser or I'm a this. I could have made a mistake. I could have this. But I love the fact that I'm still here. And I love the fact that, God, you love me. And I love the fact that you have a lot of faith in me. That's what I really love. Right? And once I can feel that way about me, I can feel that way about you too. And just like I want you to be able to forgive me and I want forgiveness. I want to forgive you. And for, you know what I see? Did you see what I'm saying? So it comes from a really, um, a healthy, deeper understanding. So it could be, you know, your parents said, Hey, you're tightness. You're not good at this. You just can't do that. You Fine. You know what? That was coming from you, whatever it was, wherever, why you said it, what you said, it doesn't matter because the father of all fathers and the mother of all mothers is a Shem Yisbarach. And he is the one who really helps define who I am, right? And he told me, if I'm here today, I needed and loved. He's on my team. He's going, go, girl, go. You know what I mean? And that's really where it all comes from. And I don't have to, you know, succumb. It's not easy. Like, everybody likes to be liked. Like, I think everyone likes to be liked, right? It's not easy when you feel like... I look different or I'm like not saying the right thing or I'm not dressed the way everybody else is. Like, it isn't easy. I'm going to be real. You know, where you're in a room and everybody's got, you know, they're all a doctor, a lawyer and a this and a that. And then they go, what do you do? Oh, I'm a housewife. Okay. (laughs) Right. It doesn't feel so amazing. And you might be like, no, I should have gone to get that degree after all. You know what I mean? But no, I'm happy with who I am because the person who I have to make the most happy, so to speak, about me is Hashem. And he will love me wherever I am. Right. And if he sees me fall, he's just happy to say, okay, let's get up together. You know what I mean? Just, you know, I'll help you. I'll help you do tshuva. I'll help you do this. And once you have these kinds of attitudes, then the rest of all this stuff, the junk can start to come off. Right? And you could look at people like what uh, what Amita said. Judge people favorably. Judge your parents favorably. They really didn't know any better. They didn't. Many of them really didn't. Many of them came from their own broken mess. Right? And those of you who had really good parents who supported you and this and that, say thank you with a big giant thank you and use all the good traits that they taught you to make other people feel very good. Do you see what I'm saying? But nobody should think, you know, because I'm me. That's why I got no. <laughs> okay. So that's, I hope that answered your question a little bit. Yeah. You're okay with it. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So I am going to shut off the, um, recording and I'm going to shut off.